Please let's stand up as we receive Dr. David Ogaga, our father. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Uh, thank you so much, Pastor, and uh, your family entirely, and the whole church. It's always uh, a joy to be here. It's a pleasure to be here. And um, I always have this feeling that if I've never preached here for a year, it's like I haven't fulfilled ministry. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's always there. It's always there. So I'm glad to be here. And um, uh, let, let me just read something. That's not part of my message, but because he keeps emphasizing the issue of father. Uh, can I get Psalm 112? I'm going to read from this number one. And um, as you were saying that this scripture came to my mind and it's like a prayer for you and the family. Psalm 112. Hallelujah. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man who fears reverence and worship the Lord. Who delight greatly in his commandment. Verse 2 says, His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. And the generation of the upright shall be blessed. You don't call me your father in vain. Hallelujah. Uh, If you look at the next thing he says, wealth and riches shall be in his house. And his righteousness endured forever. So this is the word for you. Uh, the Lord is making us understand. Talking about the people who walks with God. And the seed of such people. What comes to them. And so I am saying you can't call me your father in vain. The scripture will be fulfilled in your life. The scripture will be fulfilled in your life. He said, the seed of such people shall be mighty upon the earth. That is to say, you shall be recognized. A level of grace and power and elevation that will come to you just because of that relationship it shall be seen and heard upon the face of the earth hallelujah so thank you father for your word and our believing god of glory that this covenant will work for you spoke a lot of glory to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18. When you become wealthy, 
He said, think it because of your might and your power. But God is giving you power to get what? So that you may establish the covenant which he had with the fathers. And this is part of the covenant that God had with the fathers. That so who come under them, it will have to confirm that covenant with the people. And God is going to convent the covenant with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, precious Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Okay, so um, we're going to go into the word. I just um, pray you pay attention. And uh, whatever God gives to you on the cost of my sharing, you receive it. Amen. Amen. Now he asked me to speak on kingdom dominion. Uh, to dominate or to have dominion is to have influence, to have authority, is to have power. That's what it means. It means to be in control. So kingdom dominion equals having the authority to subdue or to control or to manage whatever it is. Now, the kingdom of God in the first place, we need to understand this. It's not a sovereignty of God as such. The kingdom of God is not a sovereignty of God. You see, we've always thought the kingdom to be the sovereignty of God. People tell you, you know, it's not the sovereignty of God. What's the difference? Now, the sovereignty of God, for instance, is, is almost like the common grace of God. And the common grace of God, for instance, the sun is up there and it's coming down on the righteous and the unrighteous. That's common grace. Is that okay? You understand that? If the rain is to fall, the Christian farms will be watered, the unbelievers farms will be watered. That's common grace. That grace is available. But there is a difference when you become born again. You become a child. You are no longer walking under the sovereignty of God. You are not walking in relationship with God. Because see, if the sovereignty of God is the kingdom of God, why would God say that kingdom come? The sovereignty is already there. But yet he say, pray that kingdom come. So they are not the same. And again he comes to say, Except you're born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom. But the sovereignty is there. So if the sovereignty is there, why do we need to be born again? <laughs> I don't know if you're getting that. Now, if you're walking under the sovereignty, you have God. But if you come to the place of being born again, you have God as your father. It changes. Relationship changes. With God, he makes everything available to all men. But with his son, you have a personal relationship. He becomes your father. Jesus didn't say pray, our God which art in heaven. He said when you pray, say our father. So that's a relationship. He wanted you to come into a relationship with God. And he sees something. Children of, yes, children in the house of God. Or in the house of family as it were. They don't live by asking in the true sense. They live by inheritance. You, you, you live by inheritance. You, you don't 
you don't struggle like any other man. So if you move out from under the influence of the grace of God into the kingdom of God, are you getting that? You're not living or you ought to be living by inheritance. You're living and making use of what is in your father's house. You're getting the point. That's why he said the prodigal son who understood who he was and what supposed to be his right as his son went to the father. Say, can I get my portion? Where belongs to me? Now the father didn't deny him that because his son and in quotes, every child in the house has got an inheritance. You see what I'm talking about now? Okay, just let me with um, Acts chapter 26. Let's look at verse number uh, 17 and 18. Maybe you can take it from the New King James. Because there's something I really wanted to pick up from there. New King James. Okay, so he said, Jesus speaking to Paul on the road to Damascus. And I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Then the next thing says, to open their eyes. Amen? In order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and what? An inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith. That's in me. You receive inheritance in the kingdom. You walk by receiving inheritance. You don't struggle like the man who has God as God. Now you walk in relationship, so you just partake of what belongs to you. By implication, help me, Jesus. You see, the Bible called Jesus an advocate. How many of you remember that? Jesus Christ, the advocate. Who is an advocate? An advocate is a man, there she is, right? Who stands for somebody who doesn't know what belongs to him. If your father dies, right, and they have to read the will, you need an advocate to come read the will and to say, in the will that your father wrote, this is your portion. Is it making sense? Jesus Christ, an advocate, came to reveal to us the will of the father. Hallelujah. That we may partake and see what our inheritance is in the father's house. That is why he's an advocate. And so when you come to this place, you begin to live by inheritance, not what you have to struggle for, because now God is your father. And guess what? God died in Christ. <laughs> Are you still there with me? It, you see, when you look at the scripture, it talks about an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You remember that? Now, these are the only laws that only God can fulfill by himself. Why is this so? This is why the Old Testament cannot bring man to perfection because the blood of the animals is not the blood of a man. And so for the law of an eye and an eye, I mean the tooth for a tooth and an eye for an eye to be fulfilled, he has to become a man. And then poured out his own blood. Act 2028 will tell you that. Look at Act 2028. I'm giving a simple definition of the kingdom of God and what it happens there. Act 2028. 20, um, okay, he said, Therefore, take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit hath made the overseer to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with what? Whose blood? God's blood. 
Since the animals cannot bring men to place of perfection and relationship, it has to become a man in Jesus. So the blood you shed on the cross was God's own blood. To be able to get you back to himself. So now you are in the house. And how do you live? You live by inheritance. That means everything God has for you is now available. Because you are in God's kingdom. Not just living under the sovereignty of God. Are you sitting there with me? Praise the living God. And that is why we need to be born again. When you are born again, you shift from living under the sovereignty of God to what? Under the kingdom of God, where God becomes now your father. Hallelujah. And so life becomes easy. Colossians 1. Let's look at 12 and 20 up 12 and 13. Colossians 1. It becomes easy. Life becomes easy. Right? Because you're living under inheritance. The prodigal said, I used to like that man so much in the Bible. A lot of people say so much about him, but I am one guy that loved the prodigal son. Okay, he went to the father. He knew his right. Can I get my portion? I know I have a portion in your will. Can I get it? That's what prayer is all about. Knowing. And that's why when you read the Bible, you should be reading, not reading and looking for fault. You should be finding your inheritance. You should be looking for what God has made available to you. So, when you pray through Jesus, he's advocating for you that you may enter into what? Your inheritance. That's what prayer is all about. Locating your inheritance as you read. Then, enforcing your inheritance by asking. And then it comes to you. But first, you must know what belongs to you. So, like the prodigal son, he knew exactly what belongs to him. And so, he went to the father. Can I get my portion? I know there are so many of us in this house, but I know I have a portion. Can I get mine? And the father didn't say no, because it was his right. The father didn't say, well, you wait till I die. So somebody, you know, I need it now. I'm not going to wait. Oh, glory. I don't know if I know what I'm talking about. He says, some of you need to understand what God has made available. It is as you know this that you walk in dominion and authority. The children of Lehosephal, uh, what they call that in the book of Numbers, they went to Moses. Now, you see, in Israel, you got to inherit what belongs to you from your father when your father dies. These girls, they lost their father, and there is no boy in the family. And they went to Moses and he said, Yes, I agree, we are married, but nobody else in the family. We need our portion. We want to get our portion that belongs to our father. They were girls. And Moses find it strange because that is not part of the law. So he went to God and said, here is a question these guests are asking me. He said, give them their portion. Guess God their portion because they understood and they forced it. The man lived, died, but he has no son. We can't allow our father's property to go away like that. I need the portion. And God told him, go get it. This is what prayer is all about. This is enforcing your authority, enforcing your dominion, knowing what belongs to you and asking God for it. It's not a crime to ask for anything. It's never a crime. 
As long as it's within the confines of God, you can ask for it. And God can give it to you. If you ask according to his will, he's here at us. What is the will? The Bible is written down already what belongs to us. So if you ask for what belongs to you, God must hear you. I don't know if you're getting that. That's why you can lose divine head. You can live in divine head. Third John, I wish above all things that I may prosper and be head even as your soul prospereth. That is something you can get from God. You can tell God, this is what you said in your word, which is your will. Oh, glory. And Jesus came to enforce that will. That's why he's an advocate. An advocate has to do with somebody who cannot represent himself in court. So, for instance, your father died, got a lot of property. Because you don't know how to interpret the will and you don't know how to speak for yourself in court, you got to go somebody that will go to the court to defend you as touching what belongs to you. That is the role of an advocate. And so Jesus is an advocate. Who stand because we don't know how to pray as we ought to pray. That's why Romans chapter 8, the Bible tells us, and the Holy Spirit intercede. Can you get that? That's the role of Jesus. Intercession. The Holy Spirit intercede for us, for we know not how to pray or ought to pray for. But the Holy Spirit takes that prayer, take it to God, and releases our will unto us. So, you don't just have Jesus because you're going to go to heaven. That's another story. You have him as your advocate now. So that he can get what belongs to you now. And let's first get the one we need here. When we go to heaven, we can settle that one. We need to live well here. Am I right? We need to live in health here. Am I right? Yes, let's be strong. Let's have what belongs to us. This is kingdom dominion. The kingdom is not in heaven. It's here. You don't go to heaven to enforce kingdom authority. I don't know if you're getting that. So God intends you to manifest his glory, his dominion right here. By what he has made available in the world, which has to do with the will of God. And Jesus came, say, for because of this proposal was I sent. And uh, to do thy will, O Lord. And what was that? To die and to bring forth the new covenant. You know, when you use the word confident, you're actually talking about testament, you're talking about the will. So, Old Testament equally means old will. New Testament means new will. That is just so. So, if the New Testament is the new will of God, and is given to you, you go discover what belongs to you in the world. You don't read it like you're just reading a story. You read it like you are there, and there are certain things written about you that you need to grasp. Hallelujah. And they went to ask John the question, who are you? Are you a prophet? You know, are you one of, I'm not none of those people. So, but who are you? I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He saw that in the, in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah. He knew that that's who he was. So you don't read the thing of looking at people. You don't read the Bible. And, I used to tell people, if you have this as a mirror, huh? And I'm looking at the mirror. What do I see? I should see myself. And James said the Bible is like what? A mirror. But you see what we do? When we read the Bible, we see other people. That means we're not sitting correctly. That's why we can't see the will and what belongs to us. Are you getting this? Colossians chapter 1. 
You said, it's almost time you let me know, please. <laughs> no, you know. Oh, what's time there? Okay. I don't look at time that much. Okay. The Bible says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the light. Inheritance. 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 Are you getting that? Praise God. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 said, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Kingdom said we translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. You see what I mean? That means you are not who you used to be before. Neither are you in the location that you used to be before. Once you are translated, that means you have moved. How glory. If I have to be, for instance, in Lagos right now, and maybe rain is falling, and I'm in Lagos, even though I reside in Wari here, the rain will not beat me. Why? Because I'm already in Lagos. How did I get to Lagos? I paid my flight ticket. How did you get out of the kingdom of darkness and be translated through the blood of Jesus? If you can come to the place of experience and the things of the kingdom, that means you don't have the value for the kingdom of God. I mean, for the blood of Jesus. You are translated. You are moved. You are shifted. You are, you are relocated. Oh, glory to God. Somebody need to get this. You have, you have been relocated by reason of the power of the blood of Jesus. Are you following me? You, you got to understand that. It's very, very important. So therefore, what happens to men in the world are not truly supposed to happen to us. Why? Because though you are in the world, you are not of this world. We've got another realm, another life entirely that we're living in. You've been translated. You've been moved. You've been shifted into the kingdom of his dear son. So we're talking of enforcing the kingdom of his dear son right now. Or the dominion in this kingdom. The power in this kingdom. It's not tomorrow. People think when Jesus comes again, that's when he's going to establish his kingdom. That's wrong theology. Hallelujah. Why is it wrong? Jesus said, in Matthew chapter 12 verse 28, if I cast the devil with the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. He said that before he went to the cross. So what happens? It means the Holy Spirit is the one that carries the kingdom. Now if you think the kingdom is not here, that means the Holy Spirit is not here. I don't know if you're getting this. Romans 14, 17. Just read that. I'm still kind of defining the kingdom. And I will bring you to a place of reality. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy. What? In the Holy Spirit. So if you say the kingdom is not, I mean, it's not here, it's going to come. Automatically you say the Holy Spirit is not here, it's going to come. Look at the next verse, 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 verse 18. For he who serves Christ in these things, what things? Righteousness, peace, joy, is acceptable to God and approved by men. That is God's kingdom. Is it making sense to you? So we also enforce the reality of the realm that we are living in right now. Praise God. And so, when you look at this principally, from Genesis 1, 26 to 28, you know that before. We're not going to spend time to read that. 
But he has to say, let's make man in our image, let him have dominion over everything that we have created. Then first in the dominion of the kingdom now. Over everything that we have created. And it's important you get this. But what I want to point out to you from that passage is this. As a matter of fact, that is God's ultimate mind. Genesis 1.28 is God's ultimate mind for mankind. Is that okay? But there is this thing I want to make you to see. That this dominion was first given to a family. Which is Adam and Eve. Are you getting that? The dominion was first given to a family. That means every true family is meant to have dominion. <laughs> oh glory. It was first addressed, I say it again, to a family. Is that okay? Are you still there with me? I want you to pick that because it's very, very vital. Very, very vital. Dominion mandate starts with the family. Okay, let's look at Genesis 12, verse 6 to 7. Genesis 12, 6 to 7. Hallelujah. What did you find there? Genesis 12, 6 to 7. That's talking about Abraham. And it says, Abraham passed through the land to the place of Sikkim as far as the terrible tree of Moreb and the Canaanite with the in the land. Verse 7 says, And the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendant will I give this land, and they shall build an altar to the Lord, who has appeared to him in that particular spot. To your descendant, to your family. The address was given to a family. If we understand this simple principle, we have better families that have authority and have dominion. Are you sitting there with me? Praise God. Look at Genesis 7 verse number 1. Genesis 7 verse number 1. Hallelujah. And he said, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and your household. Because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You and your household. The dominion mandate is first to be expressed through the family and from the family going to the society. If you can rule your home, <laughs> praise God. If you can subdue the devil in your home, you don't have right to express the authority of the kingdom outside. You don't have the privilege to do that. I don't know if you are getting this. You see, in Genesis 18, the Lord spoke to Abraham and said, Yeah, I know you're going to bring forth your children in the fear of the Lord. Therefore, can I do anything without very revealing to Abraham? That means the way you deal with your family opens you up to the prophetic dimension. I, I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Because Amos says, God would do nothing if I, if I reveal it to his prophet. And now he wants to go destroy Sodom. And he said, I can't do this without speaking to Abraham. 
Where did you hear the Bible say God is a prophet? In Genesis 20. Where did you see Abraham giving vision to people? And then yet God called him a prophet. Why? Because he knew the mind of God. The true prophet of God are those who know God's mind and what he wants to do. Not the man that tells you about how black your trouser is and, uh, you know, yeah, you have three pairs of shoes under your bed. Necromancers can do that. I don't know if I get in this. So the dominion mandate is primarily first for a family. Hallelujah. Mm. Now, you can begin to understand what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs. It finds a wife, finds a good thing, and obtain favor of the Lord. There is something that God imputes into a family because of the marriage. And that's called favor. I don't know if you are getting that. He that finds a wife, finds a good thing, and obtain favor of the Lord. And that is why I keep telling sisters, you've got to be careful the way you deal with your husband. Because you see, the mandate God gave is with the fathers. God doesn't give mandate to women. I mean covenant. He doesn't make covenant with women. He makes covenant with fathers. Are you getting that? And then he wants the women to experience and benefit from that covenant that he has made. That is why the devil knew that the only way to destroy the blessings upon the life of Abraham is to destroy the womb of the wife. So that every seed that was going to come through the womb of the wife is corrupted. The devil didn't go to Abraham. Abraham had a covenant. I don't know if you're getting that. And the devil knew the only way to destroy this covenant, not to walk, not only for the woman, is to destroy the seed of the man. And where is the man going to deposit the seed? In the woman. The word woman, actually womb, the womb of a man. Woman. Womb man. It's a man with a womb. That's a woman. And what's that supposed to mean? That means the woman is the receptacle of the thought, the ideas, the philosophy of the man. Just like the church is the receptacle of everything God wants to do. And once this thing is in place, dominion is being enforced in that home. No devil can come in there. No negative spirit can come in there. And prosperity will literally begin to evolve in that family. Because you are working in the mind and the will and the power of God. You're subduing everything that is contrary to the mind of God through accurate knowledge of what God wants in the family. Are we still together? Acts 16 verse 25 to 31. Uh, let's just look at that. Acts 16. Yeah, 25. But looks like a long reading. But at midnight, Paul and Silas, you know this story anyway. When they were chained and prison and all of those things. And then the prayed, the gate got opened, everything. You remember the story, right? Yeah. And then the jailer got to realize that this man, the doors were open and he felt they have escaped 
Oh no, he felt he wants to kill himself. And Paul said, no, don't kill yourself, we are here. And then the next moment, the man said, what must I do to be saved? And in, in fact, he told him, let's read it. Uh, go to verse, just to make it a little bit fat. Go to verse 27. Let's just take from there. And I will see. Okay. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoner had fled, threw his sword and was about to kill himself. And then the next thing says, but Paul called out with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are here. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing he says, then he called for a light running and fell down traveling before Paul and Silas. And then verse 30, and he brought them out and said, what must I do to be saved? And then the next thing he says, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. Did you get that? You and your household. <laughs> so, the grace comes to the family first. The dominion comes to the family first. And as we can manage our family rightly, we'll be exercising dominion all the time, accurately, correctly, in whatever thing we do. That is why you should have dominion over finances. Yes, you should have dominion over finances. As a united family, as a corporate family, working together, as much as possible, husband, wife, married in this house, understand these things. Offenses must come. But how you handle offense is what determines your maturity. We were doing Bible study this morning and we were talking about what is wisdom. Why do you think in Proverbs chapter 8, God called wisdom she? Hmm? He calls wisdom she. And yet Christ is wisdom and the power of God. But it costs wisdom she. Why is he she? He speaks of the qualities and the characteristics of a female. And one of the major characteristics of a female is gentleness. Ability to forgive. Look at her. when children misbehave. Is a mother that easily first of all come to do what? To forgive the children. Wisdom is a she. So study the character of a woman. The way it's supposed to be. Women are supposed to be pliable. Not strong-headed. Not disobedient. No, no, no. Women were supposed to be pliable. I don't know if you're getting this. Like I used to tell people. Look at Sarah. He spoke to Abraham and said, Get this woman and her son out of this house. And Abraham said, No, I won't do that. Because he gave back to Ishmael. Now watch what. We are not told that if Sarah began to fight Abraham because uh, he didn't obey or respond to wash his head. But the next thing that happened, we are made to understand God came and told Abraham, you better listen to what your wife said. They got wisdom. But you don't enforce wisdom with bone face. Wisdom is pliable. Wisdom meek. Wisdom is gentle. Wisdom is loving. Come on. Is anybody understand what I'm saying? So when your peace is established, I am saying resources will come. 
I don't know if you're getting this. Because God wants to bless the household. He wants to bless the family. You saw what we read in Psalm 112? Women, let me show you how powerful it is. If you walk in humility and that which God has called you to do. In fast with your husband, with the family. How did this king who wanted to kill Jesus escape from killing Jesus? I mean, Pilate. The Bible says the wife had a dream in the night and came and said, This man is innocent. Wash your hand from it. Who saved the husband? The woman. So, you see, women are very sensitive. If you understand who you are, the devil can use you to destroy the home and God can use you to save the home. Because you can see there that Pilate got freed from the blood of Jesus because of the intervention of the wife. And that's why we should listen to our women. Because in the spirit they are very light. They can easily catch the vibration of the spirit. A woman who is purely prepared to work with the Lord can receive instructions regularly from God for the family. Not necessarily for herself. God is not going to instruct the woman to be rebellious to the institution of the marriage. And it is on this ground that dominion mandate is enforced. Once there is harmony between the husband and the wife. Are you getting that? So husband, listen to your wife. And women, don't take offense if your husband didn't take your instruction. Go back to God. I don't know if I get in this. Okay. Go give me the first, I mean, first king chapter seven and verse 21. We're talking of enforcing the dominion mandate. And for me, this is very, very bad. Now, before we read that, Luke 22, sorry. Luke 22, verse 29. Luke 22, 29. And this is what the Lord will say. Luke 22, 29. And I appointed unto you, what? A kingdom. As my father has appointed unto me. You, you have a realm that God intends you to rule over. So, your family, a macro, microcosm of the macrocosm. The family is what makes up the society. Two families coming together can make a community. Communities coming together. That's why you talk about hamlets and talk about cities, not about towns. What makes a city different from a town? More houses in the city as compared to the town. And the town is bigger than the village. Hamlets. Why? Based on the number of houses in this sense. I, I don't think are getting that. So the difference between a city and a town is that a city has more houses than a town. And you see, it, a city can't come into existence without a town. Society can never be in place without families. 
So, the dominion mandate flow from the society, I mean from the family, we are into the society. It's the kind of children we have that makes up society. It's the kind of families we have that makes up society. Are you sitting there with me? So when you say society is corrupt, invariably you're saying the family is corrupt. You can't separate the family from the society. They are all but one. And God intends, let me now, God intends that his glory be revealed from the family to the society. So he doesn't play with family. So if he says I've given you a kingdom, that means there's a realm that you are supposed to have dominion over. And I'm saying to start with is your family. Are you sitting there with me? Praise the living God. Somebody says, but I'm not married. Hold it. You are not married. You're going to be married. First King chapter 7 now. Let me show you. So that you don't look cut off from what I'm saying. First King 7 verse 21. Are we still here? Praise God. Look at this. And he said, now Solomon was building the temple. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And he set up two pillars in the porch of the temple. And he set up the right pillar and he called the name thereof Jashin. And he set up the left pillar and he called the name thereof Boaz. What is the temple? The church, isn't it? Are you still here? He set up two pillars. And God is selling us something here very specific that we don't even understand. The two pillars he set up to build a house or the temple of God. One is called Jashin. The other one is called Boaz. Who is Jashin? Jashin was a priest. Who is Boaz? Boaz was a businessman. I don't know if you're getting this. That means God needed the priesthood and the business people to have a solid church. So if God calls you as a businessman, he intends you to have dominion, not just only in your business, but outside, by implication, your business should have exercise dominion over all other business. By implication, remember what we read in Luke 22, as God has given me a kingdom, even so have I appointed you to have a kingdom. So if God gives you a business, that is your kingdom. And God wants you to rule in that realm. He wants you to have dominion in that realm. He wants you to exercise influence in that realm. So that your kingdom, which is your realm of dominion in relation to your business, will overflow and begin to influence by implication. I put it this way. You see, look at Dangote today in our country. There are other business people in terms of cement, isn't it? But what is happening to Dangote cement is overtaken. That's dominion. So it doesn't matter the kind of business that people are doing. Once you come into it, God expects you to influence that, uh, that realm and to influence that realm so much so that you exercise dominion in that area. Now, Dangote determines how much meat is sold in this country. That's dominion. <laughs> I don't know if I get in that. So I'm not talking about what happens in heaven. I'm talking about what happens here. 
So anything you are doing, God expects you to exercise dominion in that thing. By implication, you become the one that dictates what happens. In despair. See, as God has appointed me a kingdom, even so have I what appointed you a kingdom. So what's the business you are doing? God wants you not just to prosper, but to exercise what? Dominion. I don't even get in this. So we have those who are supposed to be in the business place, influencing the business arena for God. Just like some of us are called to be ministers, and we are supposed to be exercising dominion in the realm of ministry. As God has appointed me a kingdom, even so have I appointed you a kingdom. And every man in a kingdom, in whatever sphere, is meant to have dominion. Hallelujah. Am I helping anybody? So life is, I mean it flows, it coordinates, it resonates towards you. When you understand who you are called to be and the realm of authority that God is giving to you. That's kingdom dominion. And so, you read the book of Revelation, chapter 11, verse 15. I'll close here. Hallelujah. Look at what he said. Revelation 11, 15. 11, 15. Good, thank you. And the seven angels sounded, and there was great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And it shall reign forever and ever. It shall reign from the ages to the ages. God intends to rule through you. When he said the kingdom has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. He's talking about his church. I don't know if you're getting this. Do we have, you have message translation in your system? Okay, Ephesians 1, give me verse 20 to 23. Message translation. But don't miss this point. It's very important. The kingdom of this world are becoming the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. That means Christ is to rule. So how is Christ going to do that? Through the church. Through you and I. Influencing the society around us for Christ. Transmitting the life of God into society. Whether it be business, whether it be school, whatever it is. Hallelujah. He's talking about the power that is of Christ from the grave. I see this energy issues from Christ or flow from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on the throne in deep heavens. Verse 21. In charge of running the universe, everything from galaxy to government. Who is running? Christ. <laughs> no name and no power exempted from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. Can I hear an amen? And look at the next in verse 21, 22 now. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. Now look at the next thing. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body. In which he does what? He speaks and acts by which he feeds everything with his presence. This is how the kingdom of this world are becoming the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. The church 
Bring it for the presence of Christ. Through the church he speaks. Through the church he acts. So if you want to see the act of God, you ought to see it in the church. If you want to see the act of God in your place of work, you got to see it through you. I don't know if you're getting this. And this is very crucial. This is very important. We don't, we don't pick this. We don't see this in the church. We don't see how important this is. You see, that's why we keep on talking about, oh, Christ come tomorrow. You know, when you go online, all you ever see is, Christ is coming soon. Christ is coming soon. No, I have no problem with that. But the question is, how soon is soon? I don't know if you're getting that. When he said that, he said that to a people. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, it's coming soon. Yeah, it could be tomorrow. Oh, yeah. No problem. But now, leave the light first. And when it comes, we talk about that one. <laughs> Give me John chapter 12. I think I thought I was going to close from that. John 12. Give me verse 29. And let's press something there. John chapter 12. You can read from King James, whatever it is. Uh, okay, go back a little bit. Let's go to verse 19. Oh, oh. What am I going to take now? Just go back to 20. Let me see. Verse 20. Praise God. Okay. I think 19 should be the, the best thing. Uh, let's start from 19. And that the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing, behold, uh, the world is gone after him. And that's a good testimony, isn't it? The man was having influence. He came, he had an influence, everybody was coming to Jesus. Everybody was moving to Jesus. The Pharisees were disappointed. They were losing their power. I'm trying to say the devil will lose his power when you begin to enthrone Christ in your life and in your business. And the next thing says, verse 20, And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. <laughs> I like this. The same came therefore to Philip. Which was of Bethsaida and Galilee. And desire him saying, Sir, we will see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. Is that okay? What's the next thing? Philip, come in and tell it to Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip, tell Jesus. They came to Jesus. Hey, come on. We got some people outside. They said they want to see you. They are Greeks. Amen? What's the next thing? And Jesus answered them and said, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. What's the meaning of this? People want to see you. Here talking about glorification. What's the connection? Is that you're going to say, oh, you're trying to hold on. Let me dress up. Or let me brush my teeth. I'm just waking up. Whatever the case may be. What does sort of man to be glorified got to do with men want to see you? We read the Bible. We don't connect the dots. Because the most often, Jesus speaks in parable. Look at the next thing now. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abided alone. But if it died, it bringeth forth much fruit. What is this? Have, <laughs> have you thought about it? You read in the Bible and they want to see you. Son of man shall be glorified. Corn of wheat will die and bring forth much fruit. What is the connection? You know what Jesus was saying? You know what? Philip, Andrew. Because I'm still alive. That's why people want to come and see me. Now I'm going to be glorified by going to the cross. When I die, I release my spirit. 
If anybody wants to see me, show them yourself. Uh, you got in the picture now. You want to see me? No, no worry. I'm about to be glorified. I'm going to the cross. When I get to the cross, I release my spirit. And it's going to fill every one of you. So if anybody wants to look for Jesus, show them yourself. So Christ speaks through the church and acts through the church. Because the Holy Spirit is come. And that's why we're meant to have dominion. Because we're now in the kingdom of God. Am I helping anybody? It's time to influence the glory of God upon the face of the earth. It's time. Come and stand up somebody. It's time to have dominion in everything you are doing. It's time to have dominion. It's time you allow the spirit to dominate. How many of you understand the Bible says the last enemy to be destroyed is death by implication. He must rule until he brings all other enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. That means right now in your life the spirit of Christ is at work and what is the guarantee of what I'm saying? It means everything in your life that is not of God is meant to be subdued by the spirit of God. I need you to begin to pray. I need you to begin to pray. In all areas, any area of your life, any area, even in all that I've spoken about, whether in your business, whether you're married, whether your family, we're talking about exercise and dominion. Align the spirit of Christ to rule and reign, to bring to nothing. I'm saying God has called you. And he said he gave you a dominion. As my father have appointed me a kingdom. Even so have I appointed you a kingdom. As my father appointed me a kingdom. Even so have I appointed you a kingdom. There's a realm by which you are supposed to rule. God wants you to rule. God wants you to have dominion. God wants you to have influence. He wants you to have influence. He wants you to have influence. Anything you are doing, recognize your place of authority, your dominion. Recognize your dominion. Recognize your dominion mandate. So that you can rule and reign. So that you can rule and reign. So that you can rule and reign. Recognize the dominion mandate. That God has given to you. That God has given to you. He has dropped it in your life, man. That is his sphere of life. Luke 22 verse 29. It says, my father appointed me a kingdom. Even so have I appointed you a kingdom. Let the spirit rule you. Let the spirit walk through you. Let the spirit influence your life. Let the spirit bring to nothing. Peter speaking said, anything you allow to rule over you, you are servant to that. So it could be a habit. It could be an attitude. God wants you to overcome it by the power of his spirit. He wants you to overcome it by the power of his spirit. Whether it's an attitude, whether it's a spirit, he said you must rule over it. 
For he that has no control over his spirit is like a city without wall. Whose wall is falling down. He wants you to rule. He wants you to have dominion. He wants you to have authority over your spirit, over your body, over your environment, over your business, over your marriage. Ability to manage your marriage with the spirit of God. For the marriage, the marriage thing, the marriage institution is the first place where the dominion is meant to be exercised. So pray for your marriage now. Any spirit that you don't like that is working in your marriage, take authority over it right now. Take dominion over it right now. Rimbro Sakaya. I need you to take authority over the spirit in your marriage that is not what God has ordained. You can rule. You can reign. Rebuke that sickness in your life with the spirit of God. Talk to God. You are the temple of the Lord. And no power is allowed to defile God's temple. You are God's temple. No power, no authority is allowed to defile the temple of God. All sicknesses disappear. All negative spirit disappear. But lift up a standard right now against every spirit that is not of God. We combine those powers to be subdued in your family, in your business, in your homes, even in your life. We release the dominion mandate with the mind that it be subdued, that it bow to the spirit of Christ, that it bow to the mind of Christ, that it bow to the authority of Jesus Christ. Let it happen right now. Take authority over the spirit. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. So Father God, I pray thee right now. I speak life to everyone right here present. In the name of Jesus Christ. I release the authority of God. That you already have but locked up. I release it today. In the name of Jesus Christ. At the mind that our spirit will begin to flow in your life. To bring to naught every power, every authority, every spirit of stagnation. In whatever thing you are doing, let the spirit subdue it in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells me that Jesus will rule until he brings all other enemies on the feet. And the last enemy is death. Every spirit that is not of the spirit of Christ is an enemy of God. I pray thee by the power of the spirit of God, let it begin to come down in the name of Jesus Christ. That God's spirit will stand strong and I pray therefore that righteousness, the peace of God, the kingdom of God, which has to do with the, the love of God, let it begin to flow in your life in the name of Jesus Christ. The joy of God for the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let these two qualities of the Holy Ghost begin to fill you to overflowing in the name of Jesus Christ. Receive life from his presence. Receive dominion from his presence. Receive authority from his presence. 